So you've got a podcast or an idea for a podcast or no ideas yet, but you want to start a podcast. Whatever stage you're at, G Media Solutions is here to help you take your podcast to the next level. We are a podcast production company based in Atlanta that specializes in audio recording, video live streaming, and all the elements you need to make your podcast thrive. To fulfill your podcast needs, contact us on Facebook and or Instagram at G Media ATL. Before the start of this episode, I wanted to tell you about another podcast that I am producing for my friend Aisha. It's called the Botanica Podcast. I wonder what she thinks of that pronunciation. But anyway, (laughs) uh, here's a trailer for the podcast. You can subscribe to it uh, anywhere you get your podcast, just like ours. Here it is. Welcome to the Botanica Podcast. This is your host, Aisha. Listen in as we discuss topics like love, health, sex, relationships, and even alternative medicine. We stream live every Sunday at 8 on Facebook. Listen to the Botanica Podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to stop by our Botanica every Sunday. We have a lot to share. There's another podcast I want to tell you guys about. It's called The Barber and the Bartender. There's a barber, there's a bartender, and they talk about pop culture, sports, music. And of course, because one of them's a bartender, there's going to be a drink of the day and he'll give you a little history on different libations. So uh, tune into The Barber and the Bartender on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. They're on Facebook. Here's the trailer for their podcast. Come to my chair, you catch a fade or get a taste. This shit gonna hurt tomorrow. Mm-mm. But it tastes good today. It's gonna hurt right now. I'm at the bar mixing up drinks and conversation. Yeah, no, I'm just a part-time dirtbag. Don't do that. You're a superstar. Yeah, we the ones you talk to and we your favorite. I'm a barber. You know what I'm saying? Niggas got, do their, niggas put got their permanent hair, I know. You know what I'm saying? I just said that's like, my hero. You gonna hold it the perm? First of all, niggas that have nappy hair, put permanent <laughs> hair, have baby hair. It's the barber and the bartender, the best podcast in the nation. Man, I have more. Hey, hey, done. Cheers. Done. By the time you hear this podcast, it will be another boogie night.
welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we are back with episode 186. Uh, we have not decided on the murder we want to discuss uh-huh. for episode 187. Uh, but when we know, you will know. Thank you to everyone who's listened and downloaded so far. Um, we appreciate it. Yeah. And um, hopefully you enjoy the content that we bring you this evening. If not, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I don't either. <laughs> you can email us or you can leave us a message on our um, slide in our DMs on uh, Instagram or, you know, even make a comment on our Facebook page. Or on our Twitter. I, I We have Twitter now. Yeah. <laughs> At BTTYHT. Um <laughs> So let's get into some music news. So um, let's see if I can pull up the list. Uh, I just We just talked about this right before we started recording. Uh, Rolling Stone put out their 200 greatest dance songs of all time. And up to it again. They're doing it again. <laughs> you know, I've always had held the opinion that Rolling Stone really hates everything. <laughs> and their lists aren't as um you would kind of know who number what number one's going to be or you would know kind of who what what the age of the person putting together the list <laughs> <laughs> so um i don't know if this came out with um because of beyonce's new album or drake's new album uh, this was done about a month ago. I hope that's not why. I, I hope this is something they didn't just slap together. Because well, it, I, it, I, I feel like it is. Uh, I just, I just feel like it be is. Be better, Rolling Stone. Be better. <laughs> so, um, we looked at the just the top ten, and I know there there are going to be some uh, opinions. One of those you you but may be, disagree. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what's what the thing is like you don't hear when there are discussions about music, you don't hear a lot of discussions about dance music. Cuz I'm just going to say it. Niggas don't dance. <laughs> I mean you it, I think you it would be weird to get opinions on that for people who at least don't listen to it. Mhm. But, you know, they have these strong opinions or they think that um, it's less than, you know, it's not as, um, I mean, it's probably one of the more prominent genres in the world. Yeah. Because everyone dances in some way. Um, so to get an idea of, <laughs> of where Rolling Stone is on this. They started with at number two hundred. They started with Donna Summer. Last Dance by Donna Summer. Oh wow, is number two hundred. Trivia. Last that was the cliche, right? I know it was, <laughs> it was awesome. I had fun, but yeah, that was just funny. But the number one song is "I Feel Love" by Donna Summer. So are they trying to say dance begins and ends with Donna Summer? Well, I, I said that you know work she did with Giorgio Moroder is. The precursor to EDM, you to know, to what techno is. It's funny because that could that would actually probably be a cool topic to cover. Georgia Maroder just by himself. Yeah, 
because uh, I don't think a lot of people, in, especially in the U.S., probably don't really know who he is. Yeah. You've heard his music. Yep. <laughs> um, we don't get the, <clears throat> I would say, the uh, resurgence of Donna Summer, kind of like the second act of mm-hmm. Donna Summer without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the third act is Stock Aiken Waterman. Um, so let's look at the, uh, the top 10. Well, let's look at what's, what's in the bottom 10. What do they have in the bottom 10 of this list? So last dance by Donna Summer, the Rockefeller skank by fat boy slim. Huh? That's a interesting, um, (laughs) interesting choice. Uh, this is a song I have not heard. We have arrived by mescalinum United. Yeah, me either. Uh, number 197, Melody by Oliver Heldens. Not familiar with that one either. Rain by Carrie Chandler. I want to think I've heard this. The The cover album art looks very uh, familiar. Have you heard this one? No. Yeah. Or maybe I've heard it uh, if I, if I, you know, play the song. I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sandwiches by Detroit Grand Poobas. I've heard of them, but I've not heard this song. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, Everybody, Everybody by Black Box. Okay. I have heard that one. Yeah. And was famous for, uh, they took the vocals of Martha Wash and, <laughs> um, visually you saw a French model. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also the same one where I've posted it a few times where they're performing on top of the pops, mm-hmm. uh, doing the vocally impossible. <laughs> And acting like they're performing it yeah. live. It's the same French model <laughs> that you see in that video. Um, number 193, mm-hmm. Ass Everywhere by Big Frida. Uh, so some New Orleans bounce mm-hmm. gets in. Um, Joy Orbison, the song is called Hyph Mingo. And I don't think it has anything to do with hyphy, hyphy music. <laughs> It's a dubstep track. They did say in the headline that there were some Skrillex. Oh. Um, and 191, Moody by ESG, another song I have not heard. Um, yeah. So let's look at the top 10. Um, well, I'll, we'll go from 20 because the page was with 20. 20 is Colleen Minogue's Can't Get You Out of My Head. That was her comeback in America, at least. Mm-hmm. Number 19, Controversy by Prince. Hmm. Interesting entry there. Yeah. Uh, number 18, Blue Monday by New Order. Not the orgy version? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it was never going to be the orgy <laughs> version. <laughs> um, interesting enough, that was a song I think that was played with the first live as an actual live performance on top of the pops. Okay. They insisted on playing live. Um, this page is messing up. Uh, it took me back to number 40. Then. Uh, give me just a second to get back to it. It's showing... Number 40, Sophie's Immaterial. I have not heard that song. I know uh, critically acclaimed artists. 
uh, number we were at 18. <clears throat> Energy Flash by Beltram. Never heard it. Number 16. We Found Love by Rihanna featuring Calvin Harris. Hmm. Okay. Number 15. Get on the Good Foot. Hey, okay. James Brown. Number 14. No Way Back by Adonis. I wonder that is a is on uh, here, actually. Chicago House classic. Let No Man Put Asunder by First Choice. Not familiar with that one. Mm-mm. Number 12. Okay. Trans Europe Express by Kraftwerk, which is uh, one of the major influential tracks for, for hip-hop in mm-hmm. the early days, uh, at least in the 80s. African Bambata and um, what Detroit Techno uh, became, <laughs> essentially. Number eleven, Vogue by Madonna. I was. This is this is probably a controversial pick, considering the the calls for how they say that she appropriated um, gay culture or the the house culture in in New York and oh yeah the drag the, balls drag yeah that's what I'm trying to think of yeah yeah interesting. Um. Yeah. Uh, number ten, Latch mm. by Disclosure featuring Sam Smith. Mm. Uh, this was all over Vine. Oh, was it? Yeah. I I was obsessed with this song back when it came out. Absolutely, the, just the, not even the beat, just the way they layered Sam Sam Smith's vocals was just beautiful. Number nine. Show Me Love by Robin S. Isn't that the song that Beyonce said? Let me stop. <laughs> oh, God. Um. So, yeah, uh, Beyonce, Sam, well, in it's a way, sample same, it. Yeah, it's the same setting. It's, yeah, a, it's a copy same and paste. Would you say same? Yeah, same settings. Yeah, the same settings. <laughs> Number eight, um, Move Your Body, the house music anthem by On the House and Marshall Jefferson. Um, I do appreciate that they um, they honored Chicago house music and Detroit techno music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to go through the list, but probably uh, Strings of Life is somewhere on this list. Number seven, Dancing on My Own by Robin. She's, she is also critically acclaimed. We'll just say that. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of this song, but. I feel like there are two sets of Robin fans. This set that likes this <laughs> and those that... Um, like her work with Max Martin? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no middle ground. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, number six, Let the Music Play by Shannon. Um, this was... This was the precursor to the freestyle mm. um, or Latin hip hop because most of the artists were Latino, but Shannon is black. But um, either way. Mm. <laughs> uh, and um, if you're familiar with Full Force, mm. this was very influential in their production for for Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam. They actually said, we stole the Shannon sound. <laughs> 
Uh, number five, last night a DJ saved my life <laughs> by In Deep. <laughs> All I can think of is the Craig Robinson stand up where he said Kid Capri. Stop. Yeah, he said last night the DJ saved my life. I remember this song being on um, uh, Vice City. Oh, it was. I've yeah. never played Vice City though, so. Uh yeah. Number four, Your Love by Frankie Knuckles and Jamie Principal, another Chicago house standard. Um, it would, I, some research would need to be done, but I think Frankie Knuckles deserves an episode. I'm down. Uh, from us. Um, very influential, even to today with, uh, with Kanye. He a lot of, a few of his recent samples have been house music, maybe not all Frankie Knuckles, but maybe him or there's another guy named Mr. Fingers okay. that he sampled. So, um, but yeah, for this to be that high, like it, it I appreciate that Rolling Stone. <laughs> One of the few times. Number three, Good Times by Chic. Is this? The, this isn't even their best dance song, but they have it this high, you know? It's the one everyone knows, though. It, it's the, it is the one everyone knows. Yeah. And it's the one that gave us Rapper's Delight. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it says here that Queen uh, ripped off the bass line for Another One Bites the Dust. It's That's very loose. Very loose. The doom, doom. Doom, that part. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of got the same feel, but it's not exactly the same. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a stretch. Yeah, number two, one more time by Daft Punk. I I I almost feel like they probably wanted to put something for random access memories, but maybe they just went. With it would have been Get Lucky, which is probably somewhere on this. Yeah, list. I'm pretty sure Get Lucky is is somewhere on here, or even the um. Oh God! Uh, the one that Kanye used, um, harder, fa- harder, faster, stronger. Uh, um, is probably on here too. Yeah, I'm willing to bet. I, I, I imagine it's probably in addition. To this may at least two, possibly three more Daft Punk songs. I can see that. And number one, as we said, the precursor to what EDM and techno, and maybe even dubstep. <laughs> I feel love by Donna Summer. Uh yeah. And this kind of took disco to a different mm-hmm. it, it's it kind of what separates Donna Summer from Everyone any else. other disco song pretty much. But um check that out Rolling Stones 200 Greatest dance songs of all time. Um, yeah. Uh, what else did we want to talk about? I don't remember. Let me grab my list real quick. Yeah, I can't remember. I know you said a couple things. My my computer was not in front of me. Uh, let's see what else we had. Oh, okay. Somehow I didn't write them down. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, 
the VMAs. Oh yeah. If you care. Nominations. <laughs> well, well, I mean, like I do think I know you mentioned that the Red Hot Chili Peppers are being are they're being, being honored. They're getting the yeah. Global Icon Award, which uh, formerly the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award. But uh, no one's really taking videos seriously like that anymore. Even though, in their own right, they had some great music videos. Um, Give It Away was a, was a good video. It was very yeah. weird. Um, uh, Californication with was, the, the yeah. video game. That was a very, the video very game style, good video. Yeah. Probably, you could probably even say ahead of its time in what it did. Um, oh, Other Side, inspired yeah. by the uh, MC Escher yeah. uh, artwork. Danny California was an odd video um, with the different eras I think they did. Um, by the way, well, I know there's a video for it. I'm trying to think of that other one, the um, all around the world, all around the world. Yeah, all around the yeah. Yeah, they had some interesting videos. It's it's crazy too to think like how in their bag they were that far in their career because I don't think you know I forget Mother's Milk came out at the end of the '80s. Yeah, <laughs> and then like you know they're still like hugely. They're probably even bigger. <laughs> From like ninety nine to like two thousand three, two thousand four, um, with Danny California, with Other Side, Californication, um, Snow Heyo, yeah, like they, like yeah, they're just so we say all that to say <laughs> that yeah, they're one of those bands that has had staying power, and it's awesome to see them being to see them being honored in this sense. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Oh, I'm sorry. The Global Icon Award is a different award. There is still the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award, okay. which will be given to Nicki Minaj. Okay. Have you heard this conspiracy recently? That if you slow down Nicki Minaj's voice, or if you like deepen it, she sounds like Jay-Z? You get that from TikTok? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um... And someone who who heard that because and it sounds very similar. He took um, oh god, what's the name of the song? I never um, the one that she did with um, Chris Brown and Lil Wayne. Oh god, oh, only she, only yeah. Someone took that and slowed it down, and it sounds like Jay Z let them do things to him. <laughs> Oh man. Um but yeah, Red Hot Chili Peppers, that's awesome. <laughs> so who who and the award was not given in 2020 or 2021. The Video Vanguard? The Video Vanguard in 2019. They do it every year, do they? Or they, they had been. Oh, okay. Uh, well, they they there's there are a couple of breaks in here. But 2020 and 2021 there was no um award given. Okay, they're running out of people. Um, in 2019, it was given to Missy Elliott. Yeah, it probably could have get, been given to her ten years before. Yeah, I remember us covering that one. Yeah. Um, I mean, who would you give it to? I can't think of anyone else really. Um, I mean, okay, Jennifer Lopez has one. Pink. Uh, Rihanna. Any, any boy bands ever get it? No. Uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers already have one. Uh, the closest, I guess you could say, is Justin Timberlake. <laughs> that's, that's that's wrong, y'all. Come on. There were four other dudes in that band. 
The Beatles got one in 84? That's interesting. Okay. Well, they were kind of pioneers with that, yeah. with the what the music video would become with some of their movies and all the documentary footage that's, that's <laughs> out there. Um, Duran Duran, Hype Williams, which was totally, totally deserved. Yes. Um, I mean, he. who else? What other director other than like maybe Mark Romanek? Or Sam Bayer can say they defined a look. Wayne Isham, because he has one. Yeah. No, yeah, Mark Roman. Okay, Robert Mark Romanek has, has one also. <laughs> yeah, I mean these are the like only one, the icons, and I don't think man. he, I don't think he got one, and I don't know if he if he's forgotten as a video director. Dave Myers. Oh yeah. I thought you were gonna say Mick G. But I don't know. I only know him doing like Sugar Ray <laughs> videos. Like I, just, I don't know if he's the type of person you want to encourage, you know? <laughs> I feel like he did Sugar Ray videos and then they let him direct We Are Marshall. Oh! And Charlie's Angels. God, well, he also directed a freaking Terminator film. <laughs> like, you're just like, here, dude, just take the keys. <laughs> don't scratch it up and then it has scratches. Yeah, meanwhile, like, they gave, what, Hype Williams got belly? <laughs> That's all. I mean, okay. Yeah, he may not be a great writer, but he could direct something. He's got great visual He could shoot the hell out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Belly. Oh. Um Yeah, so Nicki Minaj will get will get the Video Vanguard Award. Um is there anyone left? Well, uh, as far as who's left, I would say Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. Um I don't see Usher on here. Usher, Kendrick Lamar. Um, he's had some interesting videos. Because mm-hmm. uh, no one really tries. I mean, like One Direction. Lady Gaga. Lady, well, no, yeah, yeah Lady she already Ga- has one. She has one, I think. No, I don't no. See. Yeah, Lady Gaga should have been had one. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say One Direction. Their videos have been interesting. But no one really moves the needle like that. I mean, you might have one viral video, but like, I mean, like out, like, like the people, even the people who are, like, thinking back to the last fifteen years, the people who have the most, like, the highest streams, or views, it's not typically because of the content of the video. It's just because people hear the song. Yeah. Like the only video I can think of. Of the last 15 years that are like that, there's two that come to mind. Thrift Shop by Macklemore, because it was such a meme. And Gangnam Style. <laughs> like, Yeah. And like you said, like it's more about the hearing the song. Yeah. Because uh, Ed Sheeran has several songs with a billion streams. Couldn't tell you what the video was. Nothing. I know nothing. I think I know one he was dancing in. And I think that was the... I know there was one where he was a puppet. Yeah, I didn't know that either. And the one recently where he clearly ripped off The Weeknd. Well, I haven't seen that one. The one where, like, The Weeknd on the After Hours, he's wearing the red suit. Yeah, okay. Is it, it the same Ed as Sheeran's the wearing the pink suit. The picture that we, that's on Billboard or whatever, where he's looking in the mirror and he's, okay, yeah, that's, that's what, Bad Habits or something? Yeah. That video? Okay, yeah. People just want to hear the song. No one cares about the video anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Bieber has... Combined billions of streams. Couldn't tell you what it was. I don't know a single video. Like, they just don't, you know. <laughs> like, it just doesn't really move the needle. You have to be, 
you have to be silly. You have to make something that's memeish, which is why I I say the Foo Fighters would eat in this era. The they Foo would Fighters eat. could be honored. Yeah, they would eat in all of their videos. It would, it, it would be bittersweet without Taylor Hawkins yeah. being there, but they should be honored. Like they would absolutely like every like all of their major videos were basically them just like making fun of themselves, <laughs> not taking this shit serious. Like, oh, let's put on some wigs and uh, ride in an airplane, and let's get Jack Black and Kyle Gastic <laughs> drug us. <laughs> like, like they just, it was, it would have been, yeah, they would have eaten in this era because people would have been like, they, the, the videos would like, you know, like I can only imagine, like the memes that you could make from in the Everlong video when his hand gets big. <laughs> Like me slapping back the haters, like it just be like the memes right itself. They were so ahead of their time with the silliness. Um, yeah. All right, let's look at the nominees, and I couldn't tell you anything about these videos for the most part. Uh, video of the year, "Woman" by Doja Cat, "Way Too Sexy" by Drake, Future and Young Thug, featuring Kawhi Leonard, uh, "Shivers" by Ed Sheeran, "As It Was" by Harry Styles. Industry Baby by Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow, Brutal by Olivia Rodrigo, and All Too Well the short film by Taylor Swift. I hadn't seen that before. Not a not a short film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she did that. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, uh, everyone says it's making fun of Jake Gyllenhaal, and then some people say it's Carly Kloss because there's a rumor that she's a lesbian. But whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Did Taylor start the rumor herself? I wouldn't be surprised, <laughs> but it's out there. <laughs> Song of the Year, like it's a Grammy or something. Um, Easy on Me by Adele, Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish, Woman by Doja Cat. Cold Heart, the P-N-A-U hey, remix. That's a great song. <laughs> with the cringy hook, Elton John Dua Lipa, About Damn Time by Lizza, and Stay by the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. Artist of the Year, Bad Bunny, Drake, Ed Sheeran, Harry Styles, Jack Harlow, Lil Nas X, and Lizzo. Okay. Uh, <laughs> best New Artist, Baby Keem, Dove Cameron, Gail, Lotto, Maniskin? Ma- man? Mainskin. They Mainskin? did that um, Begging cover. Oh, I heard that like... I felt like that was in a bunch of commercials. Yeah, it was it was an extremely it, viral. And it was all over TikTok, yeah. It's crazy because they've got better stuff. I didn't think they would, but they've got some – the stuff they've been coming out with is really good. So I'll give them some credit. That's why I didn't think that was a new song <clears throat> because – It's been covered That so song was in – I remember it was in an Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, it was also in – A while um, ago. Like 10 – 15 years ago, maybe. I heard it in some... Well, actually, it was in a dance movie, but I heard it played at a wedding by MacDon. <laughs> like, it's more like of a, a dance kind of dance hip-hop. So, yeah, it's it's extremely old. I think it's from, like, the 60s originally. Yeah, yeah. it is. And uh, 17, stylizes SVT, the uh, South Korean boy band, and there are 13 members. <laughs> That's that group? <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous, man. <laughs> um, let's see. Any you just know coming up for them from what we know about K-pop, that many people, bruh, hard times, hard times for that group. 
that many members and there was there was no other option like can we split it into you know six and seven no 13 <laughs> 13 <laughs> members they didn't get more food <laughs> same amount <laughs> oh my god um let's see uh group of the year we got black pink bts city girls foo fighters imagine dragons main skin red hot chili peppers and silk sonic i didn't know um well no imagine dragons did just come out with something never mind okay <clears throat> uh song of the summer there's like 12 songs here yeah there's actually is, more more than 12 this is <laughs> donkulous um so i'll just skip right over that Album of the year. Is this the... Uh, see, they're trying to make it more like the Grammys now because no one's watching music videos. The, G, the Gen Z Grammys. The Gen Z Grammys. <laughs> these are people who would... I mean, actually, some of these would probably get nominated for Grammys. I think... I do think that Harry's House might be nominated as well as Happier Than Ever. But you know who's going to win? Who? 30. <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll... we'll um... This new Beyonce record, because I would hate to have to see Adele stand up there again and kiss the ring. <laughs> I'm just saying, you were nominated on your first album for a Song of the Year Grammy as a songwriter. You have nothing to apologize for, Adele. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, but Lemonade inspired 25, but 25 won. It is what it is. It is exactly. It is what it is. It is what it is. Certified lover boy, though, man. Mm. Mm -mm. I think with with Beyonce, though, I think with her album, it didn't beat the deadline for the VMAs. I feel like their Mm -hmm. deadline is always like June thirtieth or something. Okay. But well, I'm thinking the Grammys though. Will they compete? It's in time for the Grammys though. Yeah, if I, I want to see if they'll <laughs> compete. <laughs> um. Yeah, that, I, I I have nothing else to what add. What the here. best metaverse performance? I didn't see. I, oh my god! That this is not for us. This is not for us, bruh. This is not the Gen Z Grammys. This is the Gen Alpha Grammys. Twenty One Pilots concert experience performed in Roblox. Roblox. Bruh. <laughs> is this what Ro- I I thought Roblox was like a I thought it was like those games uh, like Doom. Roblox like is, original I, Doom? I, yeah, it looks kind of like that or like um uh well not not Minecraft. Yeah, kind of like Minecraft a little. There's yeah, what the hell? That's Yeah. But that's another one, BTS. <laughs> on Minecraft. <And> Minecraft. <laughs> Blackpink and PUBG like Man, this is a thing. Like people are doing concerts in cyberspace. I see. I sound like I sound old saying cyberspace. No one says cyberspace anymore. Cyber. Where's my Where's my LOL CD? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Hey, you know, um, power to you. You can make money off of that. And NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what what category should they add for next year if we got best metaverse performance? Well, I, I, didn't they have at one point like best virtual performance during the pandemic? Yeah, um, but that was like 
you know, a Tiny Desk concert yeah. kind, of, kind of thing. if that were the case, I'd be giving that. Have you seen Usher's Tiny Desk concert? No, I haven't. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I went and tried to watch uh, Taylor Swift's. It was, it was, it was mid. Wouldn't, didn't his Tiny Desk concert come out right after the uh, the verses with Ray J and I Mario? So. And yeah. Because he had to Interesting timing. And there's that super group being formed. You hear about the super group? No. It's uh, Ray J. Oh, Lord. Bobby V. Sammy. And Pleasure P. And they're called RSVP. See, this is a group that is super in, in like, in the loosest of terms. (laughs) (laughs) Like... Like, no, like, I mean, it's like taking all of the auxiliary members of a band. Like, I guess technically, you know, what they're... Only are, one of them, Ray well, J two and, of them were actually in a band. Yeah, Ray J and... Because I can't consider Ray J a superstar. I can't consider Bobby V a superstar. I like, I actually like their music, you know, but like, I don't know, calling it a super... Like, you have to be... Like, to me, a super group is you're taking people who literally were at the top at one point. Like... They weren't at the top. Word. Ray J, one wish. One, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't get me wrong. I like that song, production by the Neptunes. And he's been a reality TV star, I feel like, for like at least 15 years. Well, you know years. what? He did, have, <laughs> he did have a sex tape with Kim Kardashian. And so I guess I got to put some respect he is, on this dude's name. Uh, who was it that was talking about that um, everything is based off of, like, Ray J has his hand in, like, the biggest moments in hip-hop of the last 20 years i think it was vince staples who said that like it's it's all comes it's all stems from ray j well he's he's, he's connected in some way yeah he's the kevin bacon, he's the of kevin hip-hop. bacon. six degrees of separation from ray j oh god cartoon network tried that with velma it was very funny um so all right so we are saying he is the kevin bacon of hip-hop that is interesting i guess yeah. it's more super than i thought then I am sorry, Mr. Ray J, Mr. Um, Raymond Norwood. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Um, and they had on like two of them had on these like greaser wigs. I don't know what's going on as far as is that part of the part of the um, the promotion of the group. I don't know, but oh no, oh boy, I'm looking at it. Now. <laughs> I don't know where it comes from, but oh, that's yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> wow. Okay. Hey, you know, respect, respect, respect. I wish them all the success. Because <laughs> this actually reminds me of something, I, I, a topic I thought of on the way in, which is about um, the Yardbirds was playing. And, of course, Yardbirds had Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page. Yeah. And I'm like, what bands are, like, um, post-super bands? Like, you didn't know at the time that you would look back and be like, yeah, y'all going to be, like, y'all going to be really famous just not together. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think that'd be a very interesting topic. But but then also just super groups in general, like not like super groups and not so super groups. Like, I could be what well, group Democracy from that VH1 show with um, Sebastian Bach and a couple other people. You remember that band? I'm, I 
I don't remember who was in it, but I'm not surprised Sebastian Bach is involved. Yeah, Democracy. <laughs> the name of the show was Supergroup. It was a reality show on VH1, and it had Sebastian Bach, Ted Nugent, Scott Ian, Jason Bonham, son of legendary John Bonham uh, from uh, Led Zeppelin, then Evan Seinfeld, who is from Biohazard. Yeah. Okay. Managed by Doc McGee, who has managed the likes of Kiss, Scorpion, Motley Crue, and <laughs> Night Ranger. Whoa! Very relevant in 2006. So, yeah. That, that was... They didn't last long. Didn't last long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the only one I think of that was on VH1 was the... Uh, was it like Mission Man Band? Mission... Oh, hold on. I remember that one, too. <laughs> I know it had um, Rich from LFO, oh, R.I.P. Uh, one guy from, uh, yeah, Chris Kirkpatrick, one of the guys from Color Me Bad, and... Looks like Jeff Timmons from um, 98 Degrees. Yeah. Oh, man. <sighs> <laughs> These were the, I'm telling you, man, y'all don't know back then, bro, like the music-based reality show. And VH1 was just... They were just trying stuff. They yeah. were throwing spaghetti at the wall. Just seeing what worked. Just to see. And then they and then they uh I don't know if they found Mona Scott Young or Thomas, whatever her name is. I can't remember. Uh and then, you know, Love and Here We Have Love and Hip Hop. Yeah. Man, that was yeah, that was uh one season from August sixth, two thousand seven to January first, two thousand eight. The group was called Sure Shot. <laughs> Oh, man. Mission Man Band. Oh, God. Also known as Sure Shot, Totally Boy Band, and Band of Men. <laughs> Gotta love it, man. Gotta love it. R.I.P. Rich Cronin, though, man. He was a real one. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> also, rest in peace, Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. Um. That happened since we last recorded, yeah. Yeah. And, um... Talked about the Dua Lipa Elton John collaboration. Apparently, he's doing the same thing with uh, Britney Spears. The song is called Hold Me Closer, so I expect some kind of Tiny Dancer <laughs> reference. Oh, yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet. Hold on, let me let me look this up. Hold Me Closer. Ah, oh, man, it's not showing up yet, though. Oh, here we go, here we go. Let's see if there's any samples or any... Oh man, it's not lit. Doesn't have his own page yet. Oh, you know it's gonna. You know it's gonna have something in yeah, there. Yeah, it comes out next week. You know it's going to. Yeah, it says uh, the revamp of Tiny Dancer. Oh boy. Oh boy, I'm excited now. Oh, I can't. I'm even joking. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> okay, so before we get to the charts, Ben, tell us about the cover song of the week. Uh, yes, my cover song. All right, so um, I've been listening to this since I was in college, and Disney, for some reason, was releasing, because they had that stable of artists, they were releasing covers of classic Disney songs. And this is one, to me, that just took off because this was a few years after Kelly Clarkson and Max Martin and, and Tony Trax now um, had kind of revamped how chicks rocked and stuff. So this is Kiss the Girl, 
And it's if you listen to it, it's going to sound just like it came out in the mid-2000s. It will sound just like it, and I'm totally cool with that. All right, so this is Kiss the Girl from Disney Mania 5, <laughs> sung by Ashley Tisdale. For me. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be right back very shortly. said with the cover song we only do the first verse <laughs> i just love how they changed to a minor key <laughs> <laughs> gotta love that song so um yeah there's still no cover song of the week playlist one day um all right let's look at the charts <clears throat> number one <laughs> this week it finally got there break my soul by beyonce um well, it was number one last week, so, <laughs> uh, but it is finally up to number one. Um, someone posted a, someone, of course, you know, in this, in social media, the social media realm, people are going to try to do covers of it and, and put it up on YouTube or TikTok and, um, someone posted <laughs> one and, and, uh, they responded, this broke my soul and it was, it was really bad. But only because like the 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 girl's style vocally mm-hmm. does not match house music. I think it's the one. If it's the one I'm thinking of, someone um, duetted it with saying, "This reminds me of the Taylor Swift cover of September." September. <laughs> and I instantly got mad that they reminded me of that cover. <laughs> oh God. Um, is it is it kind of like the indie girl cover though? Like if Phoebe Bridgers did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more like um <clears throat> hold up, let me play it real quick. Pass. Good singer in her own in her own right. Not here though. This is not no. no. House music is not your lane. Yeah, you're 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 like a train. <laughs> you belong on Broadway. Yeah, belting out notes. Or no, some pop rock band, maybe. Yeah, maybe not her um, style. Uh, number two, as it was by Harry Styles. Number three, about damn time by Lizzo. Number four, still hanging around, you, running up that hill. Go Kate Bush. For this is a deal with God by Kate Bush. 
Um, number five, debuting at number five, Staying Alive, DJ Khaled, featuring Drake and Lil Baby. He's gonna have. He's gonna have. He's gonna get the features. The features <laughs> is gonna happen. Oh yeah, can't stop that. Um, I don't even know if the song's any good though. Never heard it. Number six. I'm sure this is highest charting song, "Bad Habit" by Steve Lacey. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's formerly of the internet, but he's done some solo stuff before uh, that. Anyway, number seven, "Wait for You" by Future, featuring Drake and Thames. Um, I feel like the hook alone is holding up that song. I still get to hear it. Now. I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if I want to. <laughs> number eight, "Sunroof" by. Nick Yor and Daisy. Uh, I heard this song once, and oh yeah, this is this is all over TikTok. Yeah, that's what's pushing it. Yeah. Um, number nine, First Class by Jack Harlow, returning to the top ten. I feel like hey, turn up and debuting at number ten, Bad Decisions by Benny Blanco, BTS, and Snoop Dogg. That is an interesting combination. Quite. I feel like they, that, that's three different worlds right yeah. there. <laughs> Being Blanco normally just mostly writes, right? Mostly, yeah. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. he had this series of videos where he was like just going in. On oh, he Charlie probably Puth. produced this because he, he I know he produced with, with Charlie <clears throat> Puth and a lot with Ed Sheeran. I still don't So he probably produced this song. He probably doesn't sing on it at all. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I still want to know if, if his beef at Charlie Puth was real because those videos got a little uncomfortable. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm very curious. Like, it sounds a little like, you know, like like watching Between Two Ferns where you're like, oh, this is, you know, this is scripted. But every now and then you're like, mm, some real popped in there. <laughs> hmm. Uh, let's look at the Billboard 200. Mm. This is an interesting. And one. number one, still, Un Verano Sinti, A Summer Without You by Bad Bunny. Um, yeah, maybe it is the the it's the album of the summer. Yeah, so far. Number two, debuting at number two, The Last Slimetto. That is okay. Yeah, what is uh, that? Young Boy mean? Never Broke Again. Uh, I don't know if this is a reference to Young Thug and Gunna in some way. Is it um, part of YSL? I have no idea. Mm, okay. But, you know, slime is that 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 word is being more associated with um with Young Thug. So I don't know if that's if there's a connection there. So number three. Um it was number one last week. Renaissance by Beyonce. Debuted at number one, but uh, Bad Bunny is here to take it back over. Uh, number four, uh, Dangerous, the double album. And as far as I can tell, other than the Lil Baby song track, I mean, album at number 23. Um, okay, yeah, we got some of those. I was trying to see if it was the longest longest one on here, but in the top 10, it's the longest by far. Yeah. Um, by about 20 weeks, so that's that's incredible. Uh, we got to plan that episode out. Yeah, <laughs> at some we do. point, we do. Number five, Harry's House by Harry Styles. Number six, Curtain Call Two, debuting at number six by Eminem. Uh, basically, it's Greatest Hits Volume Two. Okay. Um, 
number seven, and it's probably helped that people would stream his stuff over the game because the game came out and said that he's a better <sighs> rapper than Eminem. He put out a 10-minute diss song or something like Have that. Have you heard any of it? No. Not, not at all. It's trash. All I figure is that any, every game song from here on out, he's just going to name drop yeah. people he knows or, you know. Um, he tries to, like, do a callback to the song Stan. In which he picks up Stan's brother. Yeah, it's a stretch, bruh. It's a stretch. He's bored. He, either that or broke. <laughs> Someone said he's still mad that he didn't get invited to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I would believe that. <laughs> because it had all the all the Dr. Dre proteges oh, God, so that Dre are known might, around the world. So Snoop might be next. Dre might be next. If Easy e were still alive, he would have been there. And the game would have been rapping about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It probably would have referenced no Vaseline or something because, you know, why not? That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, to me. boy. Okay. Uh, number seven, I Never Liked You by Future. Number eight, Honestly Never Mind by Drake. Number nine, Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. And number 10, 7220 by Lil Dirk. And let's take a look at the Artist 100. Number one this week. She has she had the number one album last week. She has the number one song this week. It's Beyonce. This is only her second week at number one. It was last week. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, number two, Bad Bunny. He's here to take over. I'm telling you. Number three, who was unranked last week, <laughs> Young Boy NBA, uh, re-enters and jumps up to number three, of course, with the new album. Number four, Harry Styles. Number five, Morgan Wallen. Number six, Luke Combs. Number seven, Drake. Number nine, excuse me, number seven, Drake. Number eight, The Weeknd. Number nine, Doja Cat. And number 10, Eminem. Uh, who was um, number 62 last week. <laughs> probably think the game for some of this attention. Is the game ranked at all? Huh, let's see. He's not coming up when I do a search. Uh, so he ain't ranked then. It's not working for him. <laughs> it's backfiring, game. Stop it. It's backfiring. <laughs> Like I'm seeing artists who are no longer with us being still that are still ranked uh, like Nirvana and Michael Jackson. Well, you know, they're not out here challenging one of the most successful rappers of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's crazy, though, like Morgan Wallen and Luke Combs routinely on this list. Yeah. Don't really see any any other country artists that that break through. The closest is um, what is uh, Taylor Swift, and she's not really country anymore. So, huh. Chris Stapleton. Uh, at 25, but yeah, this. Don't really see. Who's the one that's on, uh, that was on either The Voice or American Idol? Luke Bryan? Luke Bryan and, um, and uh, Blake Shelton. Yeah. 
if you go down further, you see some. You see Kane Brown. I see Walker Hayes, Cole Swindle. Um, but not a lot. Not a lot. Jason Aldean. I I didn't know he was still in the league. I thought he stopped making music. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. But I mean, you know, and not and not 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 as an insult. I don't want any country fans coming at me. But like, it just country music really just doesn't seem like a tech savvy. Um, industry, I should say, they still heavily rely on on radio and things like that. So, and I guess, and in their case, they sell a lot of records, as evidenced by Morgan Wallen. That group will get out and buy records, <laughs> which I'm sure is making uh, Morgan Wallen a very rich man. <laughs> well, they'll do it for our music news and whatnot. Uh, ben, tell us about your earworm of the week. Uh, this is even VH1 their, classic. Yeah, not even their <laughs> biggest song, but yeah, a VH1 classic when they started writing power ballads. Um, uh, it's a band called Saliva, and it's called Rest in Pieces. And for some reason, it has been just stuck in my head. Like if I can't sleep, it just starts playing in my head. Um, I think it's because I was just jamming along to music, and it came up, and it was a very easy song to learn. So I think that's why it's, it's top of mind right now. But yeah, it's it's a cool little song, you know. All right, so this is Rest in Pieces by Saliva, and uh, we'll be right back. time. 
That is Rest in Pieces by Saliva from their album, uh, what was it called again? Back Into Your System. He's had an interest, well, not he as in Saliva, but Josie, Josie Scott. Scott, who is no longer in the band. Yeah, so <laughs> um, I think we mentioned it on the on that episode. He has a cameo in Hustle and Flow. Yes. He is from he Memphis. Is from They're Memphis. from Memphis. Um, he was also on The Takeover. Additional vocals on the takeover by Jay Z. Where? I have no clue. Probably just background stuff that you wouldn't hear. But uh, that's interesting. And uh, do you see who co wrote the song Rest in Pieces? Who? Please don't say Chad Kroger. No. Nikki <laughs> <laughs> um, Six. What? Hold on. What year did that come out? Uh, 2003. I wonder. Um, <laughs> I wonder if. Because, uh, you know, he had. What was that band he had that came out around that time? Uh, he had a band called 6 a.m. I wonder if this was a song they were he was writing for that band. Yeah, because the, the other co-writer, James Michael, is, is in the band. Is the okay. lead singer of the band. Okay. So, yeah, they probably wrote it, didn't want it, gave it to them. That's interesting. Okay. Nikki Six got some chops. Okay. Maybe he was the 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 God, was he was was he the Pete Wentz of Motley Crue? <laughs> <laughs> ah. That's interesting. Um, so you can find that song on our BTT YHT Earworms playlist uh right now on Spotify. Um, so we started this, <clears throat> we started this episode with the song, uh, Boogie Nights by Heatwave. And that song was written by a man named Rod Temperton. And Rod Temperton was the, uh, keyboardist for Heatwave. Um, even though they're probably known as a funk disco band. Mm-hmm. They're really like a true international funk disco band. Yeah. Um, your two lead singers are from America. I think their basses was from Sweden. Temperton's <laughs> British. Yeah. <laughs> uh, their drummer might have been German. I don't know. But Didn't they form in Germany or something like that. They were formed in Germany. Yeah. So because uh, <laughs> the two lead singers who are brothers, they were in the army, and then they were honorably discharged and decided to stay. <laughs> um. And uh, uh, the lead singer Johnny Wilder put a put an ad in the Melody Maker, which is a British magazine newspaper type of thing. And uh, Temperton answered the ad, um, showed that he could play because they were looking for a keyboardist. And here we are. Well, it actually started because they they were a cover band, mm. and. He wanted to write some original stuff. That's how it always starts, right? That's how it started. Um, and it's always the keyboard that ends up being the best writer. It's crazy. If you have a keyboard player. I mean, usually... is it do you, is it the most common instrument that someone writes from? More than guitar? And you don't hear it a lot with, with a bass yeah. or the saxophone or something i would maybe think it would depend on the era i would say pre-90s yeah if you're thinking of professional songwriters definitely like 
throughout the 80s, 70s, 80s, and and some sort of into the 90s um, with rock music. Not, not saying that rock music wasn't pre- prevalent, but rock music became way more prevalent. Pre- I can't talk today. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. Um, prevalent. S- some of the best writers in the 90s were writing on guitar and into the 2000s, but I think we're getting back to people using piano, mainly because of MIDI and things like that. People, you know, making beats, things like that. But I do think some of the best writers um, have been keyboard players. Scott Storch comes to mind of a, um, a really good writer recently. Um, I don't know why I instantly thought of Scott Storch when I was reading up on um, on Rod Timberton just as a writer, because I think Scott Storch is a really good modern writer that plays piano. But I know there's others. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. But yeah, the keyboard players are always the best writers. So um, I was interested in... in uh discussing this guy because um, you read the name and you think you have an idea of what this guy might actually look like. (laughs) And it's something totally different. Yeah. Same as talking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So as I said, he, 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 um, the first, well, the he came to prominence for being the main songwriter for Heat Wave, and uh, he grew up playing the. He was he started off as a drummer, mm-hmm. and then he would uh, he moved on to the the piano and keyboard. Uh, what I would ask you, Ben, um, is what do you what do you first think of when you you know is there a like kind of a through line or kind of a style that you hear? in a Rod Temperton song. Yes, actually I do. So it I I think he has kind of two lanes that he's in, at least from what I listen to. He's got the the upbeat songs are very bass driven, um, upbeat, funk, funk or disco feels, um, and a lot of kind of high falsetto backing vocals. Then he his other lane is kind of the slowed down ballad. So think of like the always and forever. Um, or Lady of My Life. Um, slow down, very soulful. Um, that's kind of I, the, the the styles that I think of when I hear his music. Um, of course, you've always got your exceptions. You know, I think of like Give Me the Night, which is kind of a mix of the two. Bass driven, more mid-tempo, but not as slow. Um, but still has, you know, very soulful. Doesn't really have, I don't... Here's I, Give Me the Night. Yeah, there's some... High background vocals, ad libs, and stuff like that, but not like it's kind of the mix. So, you know, he's either going slow, upbeat, or he's, you know, if he's going mid tempo, he's mixing the two styles together. Uh, and I think it's interesting with this. I think the the story with this song is that uh, uh, it's one of the, you know the classic. The album's almost done. <laughs> And the record label's like, we need one more I single. Swear, that could be a, that could be because five in itself. <laughs> Like last tracks added because we don't hear a single. <laughs> uh, um, let me see what it what it was. Okay, maybe it, maybe it wasn't that in particular. Um, and uh, produced by Quincy Jones, who who he kind of Heatwave put Timberton like kind of on the map, like gave him some attention. Quincy Jones, but Quincy Jones. Brought him up and kind of like took him to the next level. Yeah. Um, and it's 
I mean, it's a regular Quincy Jones produced track as well. Yeah. Uh, Patty Austin singing background vocals. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm surprised. Uh, wait, wait, hold on. Yeah, Let me check the, the credits. Let me check the credits. Is the bass player Lewis Johnson? <laughs> I. It doesn't say. I can't. I, it doesn't show. It will not on not on the wiki. Um, I'm not sure what your what your source is for for finding those credits, but. I feel like I feel like it's Lewis Johnson. Let's I'll look on Discogs. Or yeah. uh, it's Lewis Johnson. Is the the keyboard player? If it's not Rod Tiberton, is it uh Greg Philingens? Philingens? Uh, Philingenus? Oh come on! Let's see here. I never knew how to pronounce his last name, but yeah. Hold on, this website doesn't like my um, ad block. <laughs> Uh, let's see credits. Hold up, what? Okay, so it's not giving it to me per song, but um, one of the keyboard players I see on here is so I see a George Duke. Oh. Um, I see on the Fender Rhodes, and keyboards and piano Claire Fisher. Okay. And then the next person down is the incomparable David Foster. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the last. I see some synth players. I see uh, Greg yeah, on Fender Roads and keyboards, but it's not telling me who played on Lee Rittenauer. Wow, that's not oh, yeah. enough for him. Plays guitar on this <laughs> wow. song. Um, but I think I see a few bass players, but it's Lewis Johnson, Johnson and Abraham Labroyal, but I think it was, yeah, I think it was Lewis Johnson that played on this one. So... You say the the two lanes like with the upbeat and the and the ballads. Um, you see any similarities between the between those two types of songs that Temperton wrote mostly? Similarities as in like um, what stylistically? Or yeah, sort of. I mean, like you know, I mean, he's. I don't want to say he's using the same instruments a lot because I mean you're limited at that time unless you've got. Um, and this is of course getting into pro- to producer talk. Um, Because I think of how you said, like, you know, Quincy Jones gets him to the next level. And for people who might think of a producer as a beat maker, this is what a producer kind of was back then. You're assembling talent in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, If you're musically talented yourself, that's good, too. But, like, for him to recognize that. So I do think a lot of what you hear in Rod Temperton's songs post-Heat Wave it's really kind of informed by the stylistic choices, I think, of a Quincy Jones. So fair or unfair, a lot of similar instrumentation is used. Um, I think the main thing that kind of, that drive, like the, the, the main, I think, combination or where they meet really is a song like Give Me the Night, where it's not too upbeat and it's not too slow and it's just a mix. Because that's when you get the driving bass lines, that's when you get the ad libs, the high voiced ad libs. Some a lot of times you get a four on the floor bass um, or kick snare. I think that's kind of the combination. Otherwise, I think they actually sound kind of different, really, in my opinion. Like the upbeat songs are just dis- straight disco funk, and I don't really hear that. At least in my opinion, of the slowed down songs, like the slowed down songs are just straight soul. I think. Well, yeah, I mean, you get it. Um... With those songs, because it, it was of the time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think and into the 80s, um, those were songs of that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think he, like, stayed in one place. No. Sonically, mm-hmm. at least. Um, 
and he tried to um yeah i think he did a good job of staying current mm-hmm. um uh sonically like you know okay yeah gave me the night and uh boogie nights and rock with you but then he also does uh yamo be there yeah <laughs> i don't know where that came from but a lot of synth in that song too but you know with this any uh and then sweet freedom for michael mcdonald um there was another one that i saw he did thriller he wrote the yeah. title track for thriller um and but then also it's not just the same style all the time he co-wrote miss seeley's blues from the color purple yeah so um, and that's why I think yeah. it probably had something to do with production, because a lot of songs he was doing early on were produced by Quincy Jones. Yeah, and I at least I think Quincy Jones kind of had a lane he kind of stayed in in the seventies and the eighties. Breaks out a little bit towards the end of the nineties, like I think of "Back on My Block." Back on the block. Back on the block. Um, yeah, it sounds nothing Q's like. Juke joint. Yeah, and Q's juke joint it sounds nothing like what he was doing before. So, you know, he kind of he kind of updated his sound as as well, but like it was to me, it was kind of especially the Michael Jackson stuff, it was easy to tell if it was a Quincy Jones produced track. Very sleek, great production. Um I would I would tell anyone who is a producer now, even if they're just a beat maker, just go back and listen to that stuff. Yeah. It's I, so clean. I would I would recommend The Dude, the yeah. album The Dude, um, or even Body Heat. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so um with um going back to like his work on on Heatwave uh there were it's like he he was called the invisible man cuz he wasn't out there yeah. in the spotlight very much. Um mostly behind the scenes as as a composer and a producer. Um and it says here that, you know, when he wrote always and forever at the side of a pile of pungent washing. So (laughs) some wet laundry, he writes that song and, you know, it talked a little bit about, about this, where there are songs that probably don't even know that, that are played at like black events. Mm -hmm. Like that's always and forever is associated with black weddings. Um, yeah, black weddings, <laughs> and maybe maybe the the black high school prom in the seventies. Um, but a white guy wrote this song. Yeah, and you would, you, you just don't put that together no. that it was this guy. But he had an ear for, um, I guess it's just like an ear for what sounded good. Mm-hmm. And what would sound clean, and it would sound, um, uh, like if we do something here or there, it's gonna sound well produced. And I think his songs, you know, yeah, we'll know what era it's from, yeah, but it still sounds like well put together today. Yeah, no, and, the arrangements are so good. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's a and once again, I don't know how much um Quincy Jones had to do with it. The song in Heatwave sounded well arranged and you know, I heard people talk about like he was very meticulous with parts, with writing different parts. Um and I think it does come through in his writing. His his like his 
his writing is very sharp. Um, actually, there were a lot more members of Heat Wave. Well, the um, the the founder, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Johnny Wilder, uh, has passed, but uh, the band is still ongoing in some capacity today. Um, you know, this makes me think about too how we've often said that um, soul music just for British people just matters more. Like they've never, they never have, they've never really seemed to have taken it for granted. You know, I think back to the story that Peter Gabriel shared about seeing, I think it was Al Green and how that changed his life, you know, and I couldn't find a lot on Rod Temperton's, Rod Temperton's influences. Yeah. But like, there's definitely like some soul influence there in terms of how he writes and everything like that. And his admiration for Quincy Jones, who, of course, was, you know, well-respected and well-known, but it sounds like he just had, like, a, a huge admiration for Quincy Jones. Well, you know, I, I could see that. And um, I don't know if he exactly lived in an area. Uh, it's called Cleethorpe's Lincolnshire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if, it, if this is in the uh, northern country, mm-hmm. northern part of the country, um, that could lend a lot to his influence because soul music... Was that where Simply Red was from? Um, I don't know if they were... Okay. Cleethorpe's Lincolnshire? Well, from Northern. Are they from Northern Country or whatever? They're from Manchester. Oh, okay. And... I don't know. That, that might be a <laughs> east side type okay. of thing. I don't know. I don't know UK geography. But the point is <laughs> <laughs> The point is, um, I know with like because there's a there's a BBC documentary about this. Uh with Northern Soul, it was music that was inspired by, you know, the Motown sound mm-hmm. or um stacks or um, you know, artists from Chicago where that style um, went to British artists and there was, and in the documentary, I believe, you know, there were teenagers who would go out every weekend to these clubs because they were playing this American music. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of the influence of the, uh, the British artists who do R and B, the Sophistapop, the, Mm -hmm. the acid jazz, that stuff, um, came from the Northern Soul mute movement, I guess you would say. Was he a part of that? Um, I mean, it would make sense. Yeah, you know, like I said, there's there's not a lot on his on his influences, but it would make sense if that was the uh, if that's where it came from, because the, I mean, for someone to you wouldn't expect. You just wouldn't expect it from someone who's white. Yeah. That, that's basically what it is. But um, you know, to to have to to have these melodies and, you know, to put these kinds of songs together, um, to be associated with him, you know, it, it just shows that he what he was influenced by and that he really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think he enjoyed making this kind oh. of stuff. Oh god, yeah. And being a little experimental, uh, and 
it wasn't just with you know the disco and the funk. You know, you got into jazz, uh, mm-hmm. and then you know he had the the straight pop stuff. You know, with Michael Jackson, like I said, he wrote the 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 title track to Thriller, and he wrote um, I can't remember what else he wrote on the album, but on Thriller, uh, Lady of My Life, Lady of My Lady Life, of my life yeah, um, Baby Be Mine were the three tracks I think. There's no reason people don't like Baby Be Mine. Like they're just annoyed by it for no reason. I don't, I really? don't know why. It's not a bad song. I I know it. It's not. Yeah. I, huh. That's it's just weird to me. It's like they, it's like the song that they skip on it. <laughs> There's only nine songs on it. Yeah. But anyway, um. So uh, let's look at more into some of the the songs that he uh, that he is known for. Like what. What songs kind of like stuck out? Or, or were you surprised by any that he they, like? Oh, he wrote that. Yeah, I was. Um, so I was some of the stuff he did like. So baby, come to me, the Patty Austin and James Ingram. And this was really just because a lot of these songs, I I just you know I never really thought to look up the writers. I think the honestly going back to the first time you kind of talked about covering him, I didn't know he had written um, off the wall. <laughs> I didn't know he had written Rock With You. You know, I just, I didn't know that. I just assumed that these were all Quincy Jones songs. (laughs) (laughs) And that he was writing all these songs. So, you know, going back to that, but then also looking at, like, Give Me the Night, um, the one that shocked me the most was probably Stomp. But then when I started to listen and really kind of took notice to it, I was like, yeah, it's that's... That sounds about right. That sounds like him. I think that the, the, um, even though, you know, he's played on stuff that he's written... I think the variable there, of course, is Lewis Johnson. Yeah. You know, the, the great Lewis Johnson. Um, he's he's no longer with us, is he? Yeah, he died yeah. in 2015. Yeah, so the late, great Lewis Johnson. Um, but from a vocal standpoint, you, you definitely hear it, you know. I'd be curious to know who, because I know they all wrote on it, but I would be curious to know, hearing how Rod Temperton sang, if they were singing off of his demo. Like mm. I'm, I'm curious because the verses kind of sound like Rod Temperton a little bit. You, you can kind of hear it. They might have been like, "Oh yeah, this is the demo. It's good." I just, I don't know who, of course, who sang the, um, who sang the demo. But yeah, that one was probably the one that threw me off the most. That he, you know, I wouldn't have guessed that one. <laughs> uh, for me, it would have been. Um, I didn't know he wrote "You Put a Move on My Heart." Uh, oh yeah, John, uh, Tamia. Well, mm-hmm. it's it. We know it's to me a singer, but it's on Quincy Jones' album. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he wrote this song. I didn't know that either. I don't think uh, I got to that one. Uh, I remember hearing this song, and this this is the song that introduced us to to Mia, essentially. Um, and it's, I it's it's I guess it, it was unexpected. I, I didn't uh, to know that he he had written this. I didn't. I wouldn't think he was still writing anything. No, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> it was more of a, a more of a timing thing, and uh, to for this song to introduce an artist and it work out in a big way. Um, I think it shows that it, it's a, he still had something left <laughs> at the time, you know. Um, and I, I don't want to say I don't think it's like. Quincy Jones like controlled him or anything like that. It's like, well, I, is anyone else asking for a Rod Temperton song at this point? It's like this is <laughs> this is his guy. Like 
the brothers Johnson are his guys. Patty Austin, mm-hmm. is, I think, is his goddaughter or something like that. So, yeah, Jones definitely so he, he had a he with. had you know a, a, he had a circle. He tr- if he trusted you, he was like Michael Jordan. He has to trust you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he also wrote. He also wrote this one. Uh, I didn't know he wrote The Secret Garden. Oh, so I didn't either, but it was on the video that I watched about him that came up, and I was, yeah. Um, this was a song that... Uh, I was like, Sida Garrett's on there, too. It What's so interesting about that is, like, you have four vocally diverse... Mm-hmm singers they're 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 all they all have distinctive voices and they're all very different (laughs) so um writing for that i think is i i that had to be some kind of challenge Mm -hmm. but with working with different vocals i I guess he just had a kind of knew what he wanted to do and you know this is something that might have been planned out and might have been um it probably was easier than it looked uh, but just to see that these are four, they all sound different. Like, how do you make this work? <laughs> this is this is just funny seeing this name, I'll be sure. My yeah. sister went to a birthday party and it's someone's 50th and they're, I think their and husband. Sure showed up. No, but he got, oh. he did a cameo message for them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, showing your age. <laughs> I'll be sure. I was wow. like, I didn't know he was, uh, but I'm like, how do you make money in this digital age? You do that. I'll be sure James Ingram, Elda Barge, Barry White. That is very just, just yeah. That is very late '80s R&B. Yeah. Um, and they and they, these they came from four different directions as well. Yeah. So it, I think it's just great that how that song was put together and and um, and then Quincy Jones gets all the credit. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see what else, uh, what else you have here. Um, what's a song that is you feel is underrated as far as um how he wrote it and how it was put together? Hmm. Um, I might say, and this is maybe just because it's top of mind for me, and just one that I like right now. Um. Boogie Nights. I don't, I don't know if you can really call that underrated though, because <laughs> it was a big hit. But it's just like it kind of set the tone for his style through the rest of the seventies and and kind of the early eighties and the the his work. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the song because if I I can put through lines from Boogie Nights to Off the Wall, um, to ah oh God, there's some other Heat Wave songs he did that I can't think of off the top of my head. But like just that, like the bass, the bass, the the bass playing very similar, the vocals. I know you did a "Ain't No Half Stepping" mm-hmm. and "Super Soul Sister," and I know we called "Star of the Story." They do mind blowing decisions. I feel like you did that one too. I definitely hear though, like that. I say overrated, not overrated, underrated. Oh, he actually didn't write that one. <laughs> it's just like there's a through line. Oh, he did a. Um, um, what is the name of that song? Because it was from the last album they did. 
I think it's called Gangsters of the Groove. Mm. I think he did that one. Let me check. Yep, he did that one. Um, and it was kind of like the last of those disco sounding songs. Mm-hmm. Um, disco didn't, it may have like kind of started dying on that uh at that Chicago White Sox baseball was game in '79 or something, like that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think it kind of ended in like '84. In America. In America. In America. America. Around the world, the rest of the world, it evolved, <laughs> but it died in America. It died in America. <laughs> um. Yeah this 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 song is from 1982, and it was. It's one of those songs that. Um, I feel like just someone like said that um, said that phrase, and then they just spent time trying to come up with other things oh, music related. <laughs> Gangsters of the Groove, Syndicate of Soul. Oh, <laughs> so they're comparing mafia the mafia, <laughs> mafia life to being in this band, but um, uh. Even though, like it, it kind of the lyrics may be kind of silly. Yeah, it still sounds good. It's a group. It's a, yeah. <laughs> Who was their bass player on the on these tracks? Because like they've just always they've always had a very solid bass player. Um, I don't look that up. I know ooh, they probably okay. got a timeline. Uh, it's like, Mario Mantis. Okay. I think he was the still the uh, bass player. At that time, um, there or might have been Derek Bramble. Or was or was Lewis Johnson sneaking in? I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> he was sneaking in. Um, yeah, it might have been Derek Bramble by that time. But either way, uh, I thought that song was is was kind of underrated. I remember I heard that on there. There's a heat wave episode of Unsung. I want to I want to check that out. Uh, it basically, what was funny with that is that uh, Johnny Wilder, who founded the band, he had uh, he had gotten married before the band was fully formed, and he was having them. Um, and Rod Timberson said this in an interview that they were playing five six hours a night re- rehearsing or, or playing a show possibly, and. Uh, <clears throat> Johnny Wilder is telling them they can't have girlfriends, but he's already married. So <laughs> they said, like, no girlfriends. They're just a distraction. I divorce your wife. <laughs> um, what do you think is, uh, is there any, like, lasting effect? Like, any any anything you might hear that he had done that you might hear today or heard, like, Oh God, yeah. I, so that's actually something I thought about. I think he would. I know he was. He died in what's it? 20, 2016. 2016, and probably wasn't really doing a lot of work. But I do think. Um, so I think back to Future Nostalgia by um, by Dua Lipa, and the because I mean that was it was disco, but I think it was more of like a European disco feel. Mm-hmm. I think he could have worked with somebody on an album like that. That you pro- he probably wouldn't have had as complex of a song structure, because I do like the fact that Dua Lipa on a lot of her songs was actually using 
song structure. And when, when I, what I say by that is like, she's not just taking a beat and then looping it and putting, you know, here's a verse, here's a pre-chorus, here's a chorus, but it's all over the same loop. You know, there's actually, you know, dynamic song parts that will change and, and, and stuff like that. I think he could have done something like that. Um, Cause I do think we've, I know we've mentioned Giorgio Moroder, but I think some of the tracks on that album probably reminiscent of what he was doing um, in the, in the late eighties and nineties. Um, although he got a little bit more, like I heard a track he recently did with Kylie Minogue was like really, really synth heavy. It wasn't bad, but it was for him. It was kind of sloppy. I was like, uh, not your best work, but <laughs> I do think Rod Temperton could have existed in a space like that and making music today, working with some of the, you know, Kylie Minogue, of course, being one of the greatest dance artists of our time. I could see him working with somebody like that. Um, working with the Dua Lipa and maybe, well, no, I was, I was going to say maybe, but she was way, way more EDM. I was thinking like Madonna, like confession of the dance floor, but that was, that was just straight EDM. Not yeah. like, um, but I, I definitely you think say someone yeah. like Dua Lipa, then I would you say someone easily like, like SG Lewis. Yeah. Maybe even uh, a Doja Cat. Because I know Doja Cat, like, Kiss Me More was yeah. kind of disco-ish. But I, I could hear him working with someone like that and being being good. Because, I mean, these I, I think he just, that style of music is kind of making a comeback in a small way. And I feel like possibly, uh, I don't think they work together, but I'm sure Thundercat called. <laughs> I could see him working with Thundercat, yeah. Um, so, uh, like I said, the moving into the 80s, like the... It, he got up. I don't want to say got away from mm -hmm. disco, but maybe evolved from it. Yeah. Um, he wrote uh, um, the soundtrack. Well, five songs for the soundtrack to Running Scared, which mm -hmm. included Sweet Freedom for Michael McDonald yeah. and Man Size Love by Climax. He also did the score. So he branched out in that way. Um, he said nominated for Best Original Song for... Miss Seeley's Blues with Quincy Jones and Lionel Richie for The Color Purple. And um, he was also nominated for Best Original Score, which, uh, strangely enough, had 11 people. What year was this? 1985. Yikes. 11 people nominated for Best Original Score for The Color Purple. I don't know how that happens because, for the most part, it's one person. Yeah. I don't know how they got away with that. Um, and um, he has won, he won a Grammy for Best Arrangement, Instrumental, or Acapella for Birdland, which I believe was the version on Back on the Block. Hmm. Um. I was trying to see if it was the one that was uh, um, Manhattan Transfer did where lyrics were added. Because <laughs> 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 um, they, uh, yeah, I think for Manhattan Transfer, there was there was some other group, I think, where they would, if, there, if the song was a jazz standard, but it was instrumental, there was one guy who would add lyrics. He would stick to the structure of the song, mm -hmm. but there would be words. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I think this was just an instrumental. But it was kind of it was a 
remake, mm. as you if you would, if you will. Um, what what do you think people should know about about him uh, as far as what he's done musically, mm-hmm. what or or something that he does that should be done today but isn't? I don't, I don't know if I can think of anything he should do today, but. Well, that I, that that he's done, that he's already done, but you mm-hmm. don't really hear something like that today. Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. I can't really think of. I mean, I like the way he writes his ballads, and I do think that we could stand to. But nobody likes, you know, we like our slow down. We like our down tempo music, you know, trip hop ish. We don't like ballads. <laughs> You know, Lord changed all that. I can't really think of anything that he that he should do. I don't know. Well, it's something that you mentioned before, as far as to, to me, it's something you mentioned before about where he comes in and, and how he put writes parts. It's oh, very detailed. Yeah. Well, you're not gonna get people to do. It. I mean, yeah. Are you are they, are they trying <laughs> to do it in a hurry or? Well, I shouldn't say that. Going with their first instinct. Because I will watch videos from creators on TikTok, especially where. They're pretty meticulous with their parts, but they're meticulous and there's not a lot of like it's still like a loop mm-hmm. and it's the same loop for three and a half minutes. And they might add and subtract some instruments, but there's not structure, but he's meticulous. I think I was I saw an interview where they said that, like, each part so each part of his song could stand on its own. His introduction like you like you think of, you know, like the introduction to um, Off the Wall could stand on its own. You think mm-hmm. about how you think about. Um, did he write Don't Stop Till You Get Enough? No, that was no, him. that was my, him. Michael wrote that because um, I was like the breakdown, but that wasn't him um, off the wall. Like all, all parts of each of one of his songs, you know, they say it could stand the bridge, can stand on its own, the verse, the chorus. Um, there's not that that sort of meticulousness put meticulousness. Is that a word? We gonna say it's a word. Yeah, for placed now, in, at least <laughs> it's not. It's not placed on each part. It, it, you might hear that, you know, sound experimentation. And he wasn't really a producer. He was more of a writer. But like, just each of his parts, just like the way he wrote them, you know, he he paid very very close attention. Um, and I think we could stand to see more of that in terms of structure, because most songs today are just kind of same thing. They're kind of boring. They can get boring very quickly. Yeah, I would. Um... That's what I would uh, want to hear, I guess, with at least with American songwriters. It's probably yeah. done in, in other countries mm-hmm. where there's more attention paid to it. And it's not just about um, making sure that there's so a beat dance, yeah. and people can dance to it or whatever. Which is Writing crazy because you can dance song. to his songs. You can. <laughs> like you can dance. Like you could dance to Give Me the Night, but it's got a lot of structure. It's got a bridge. You know, it's, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, I also think as well, another question, go ahead. He should be given more of his propers. So I get it. You know, Michael Jackson is one of the biggest artists of all time. Um, but just the other day, and this was serendipitous. I was watching a video where someone was quoting the first lyrics to when the world is on your shoulders. Like they're like, Michael said that. And I'm just like, but Rod wrote it like, you know, same thing with, and I mean, I get it. He owned his publishing and stuff, 
someone was talking about how Michael Jackson, you know, cleared the sample for um, human nature. And I was like, you know, cries in David Paik and um, not David Paik. Um, oh, God. Look at that. Was it not Lukather? It was what's his name's brother? Drummer's brother? Yeah, Jeff Picaro's brother, Steve Picaro, and David. Some I can forget the other guy's name. And like, well, he owned the publishing. I'm like, but still, I imagine at some point they still had to sign off on it as well. They wrote the song, they they got to get paid somehow. So my whole thing is like, you know, he could be considered the early voice of what became popular Michael Jackson. Like he helped shape that. You know, and probably had in terms of like, you know, the the writing and everything as big an influence as anyone really until he kind of changed up his style uh, on what may be bad or or dangerous. With uh, Teddy Riley. Human Nature was Steve Picaro and John Bettis. John Bettis. OK. Yeah. I knew it was one. Th- I was like, it's, it's Picaro's brother. Jeff Picaro's brother. I just couldn't think of his <laughs> name. Um, But yeah, early voice helped shape his style, um, you know, and, and kind of helped, you know, keep him for what he was until, you know, he kind of stylistically changed on bad yeah. a little bit and then just did a complete 180 on Dangerous with Teddy Riley. But, like, those first couple albums, you know, some of the biggest songs on them, that was Rod's voice you were hearing. And I think, you know, we got to be – but no one really cares about songwriters, you know, Right now, people don't, you know, give them the respect they deserve. I wish I could think of the guy who I follow on um, TikTok who does. Like, he'll straight up just do a profile on a songwriter and then tell you why we should care. He's like, why does that matter? Because some of the greatest songs you like are written by people that you don't know. And and he gives respect to them. And I wish that became more of a trend, really. Um, So we could start saying, like, you know, Rod Temperton said that. Yeah. That'd be cool, you know? But it might have been, like, something, um, <clears throat> as far as who he was, that it just really wasn't his thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you <laughs> said, I never knew he was the, the invisible man. Um, maybe he didn't want that cred. You know, he just wanted to write. He said he even kind of said that, though. Like, yeah. I didn't really want to perform. I just wanted to write, you know? So it seemed like maybe he performed so he could write. <laughs> <laughs> so that could get him there. And, yeah. Because he didn't keep, and I guess we haven't really touched on this yet, that he wasn't the greatest singer either. No. So listening to his demos, you know, it was interesting. (laughs) Uh, I I listened to the demo for Rock With You, and, you know, this is why they're demos. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He knew, you know, really the direction he wanted to go Mm -hmm. with the song. Maybe you need to add some words, but... It wasn't like I'm putting this on my album. <laughs> it wasn't I'm like not that. Singing it. <laughs> I liked his approach too because I I I write like that. Like a and I I think a lot of writers do, because that's essentially that's top lining. You know, you basically yeah. play the music, and you just like you know. I think there was some rapper they were talking about where like, um, when he's trying to come up with a melody, like they just played the track for like an hour straight. <laughs> he just like freestyles a bunch of melodies on it and then you just go back and listen and you you know start to develop from there and i'm curious as you know of course he probably couldn't do that back then because tape is expensive studio time's expensive um but you know you have a general outline of what you want the song to be you go in there and you top line some stuff and you come up with some lyrics later uh let's see if this will play this is the demo to give me the night oh hold on 
Heatwave was still playing. <laughs> All right, here we go. Oh, this the channel intro. Hold on. Sounds better than the other one. Sounds a little faster. <laughs> so, um, but here's the uh, uh, Rock With You demo. Give it just oh, a second. The... <laughs> that one. <laughs> And I was when I was listening, I was like, I feel you, bro. I feel you. How many voice memos do I have where it's just like it's just that. It's like half words, half just like melody. And this is what I feel like Kanye has been doing. But never finishing (laughs) the song. Oh god. Um like, I, I feel them there, man. I, 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 I can, I understand the struggle. Like you just, you got an outline, you hit in your head, and you just got to get it out. <laughs> uh, so, um, I think it's a, it, it's not like a ton of material. But what he but, did at least was good, right? It was quant- it, quality it was, over quantity. <laughs> exactly. Um. So that that's that's one of the things that I appreciate most in working with the various artists. Of course, Heat Wave, Michael Jackson, Rufus and Shaka Khan, Brothers Johnson, George Benson, Patty Austin, Herbie Hancock, uh, Donna Summer, um, James Ingram, Michael McDonald, the Manhattan Transfer, Climax, Stephanie Mills. Uh, Technically, he get he got royalties from LL Cool J's "Hey Lover" because it sampled "The Lady in My Life." <laughs> um, so, uh, and I feel like he would have also gotten should have gotten uh, royalties for, um, well, if it ever charted, I'm not sure. Remember a song called "We Made It" with by Busta Rhymes and Chester Bennington. Mm-mm. It's sampled "Thriller." Mm-mm. Yeah, I'll play that for you later. Mm-mm. Um, so the, um, this, okay, never mind. Um, so yeah, I just think this is a, he's a songwriter that should be appreciated and, um, you probably know who he is now if you didn't before. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, so that'll do it on our discussion on Rod Temperton. Um, you can check out our uh, playlist on Spotify. Uh, I put together playlists. Uh, yeah, how long has this one been? I know you've probably had this one. For I a probably while. had this one in the chamber for about six years. Yeah, almost seven years. 
<laughs> oh, and just so heads up too. So I looked it up. Cleo, Clee Thorpe's, Clee Thorpe's, and Manchester, two hours apart. Same, same parallel. <laughs> so yeah, both ones just east, ones west. <laughs> so that I, that northern soul, I think is yeah. uh, is um, was an influence for mm-hmm. sure. All right, we'll get to my um, earworm of the week. This was a song that um, actually I got into the the band by uh, with another song of theirs back in the days of iTunes because we have to say it that way now. (laughs) (laughs) But they used to have a you get a free single every week, Mm. and the free single that I got was a different song, but uh, I liked this song also. It's a band called Gemini Club. They are from, um, I have no idea where they're from. There's not a lot of information about them, and they've only made two albums. But uh, one song I liked by them is called Nothing But History. Um I think if you like uh, early Maroon 5, <laughs> you have to put it that way, um, and bands with that kind of sound, I think you might like somebody like Gemini Club. Uh, or maybe even uh, maybe even someone like a Franz Ferdinand. Okay. Or, you know, where there's some kind of, it's it's pop rock, but there's like more of a funk groove to it, that kind of thing. So this is Nothing But History by Gemini Club from their album Here We Sit. And we'll be right back.
right, that is Nothing But History by Gemini Club. And you can find that on our BTT YHD Earworms of the Week playlist on Spotify right now. All right. That will do it for the this particular episode. Um, as we said, this was episode 186. So episode 187. Pop, pop. Let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> pop, pop. It's showtime. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> We're going to talk about murder. Maybe. <laughs> um, thank you to everyone who's who's listened. Definitely appreciate it. Um, and uh, what song should we end this episode with? We started with Boogie Nights. We've played uh, some others. But <laughs> what do you think? You know what? Let's make the people mad. Baby Be Mine. <laughs> They're in it with Baby Be Mine, the song that people seem to hate off a of thriller for no real reason. Um, I don't see what the problem is. It wasn't a single, but that's that's not a big deal. Yeah. So we're going to do it with Baby Be Mine by Michael Jackson. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. Peace. <laughs>